There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sports. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. So, Seb Bettler is currently fastest in the Italian Grand Prix final practice. However, uh, that final practice has been delayed following a huge accident in Formula 3. So, we'll keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, exactly the wrong time after the uh, tragedies uh, at Belgium around about this time last week. Uh, we'll, keep all the, we'll keep an eye on what's happening over uh, at Monza, ahead uh, of pole qualifying, which is set to get underway at 5 o'clock this afternoon. So we'll tell you who's on pole before the end of the show. What's happening in the rugby? Let's get the latest. Sibia. Yeah, Tom, what I can tell you is uh, two... Sorry, sorry so one game has been completed. Australia has beaten uh, Samoa 34 points to 15. And uh, a lot of these teams will, of course, now be heading to Japan for the World Cup. What I can can tell you is yesterday we also had a numerous amount of games a lot of criticism coming against New Zealand who convincingly beat uh, Tonga um, 92 points to 7 saying that they've been very disrespectful because of the last 15 minutes they only played Tonga with 14 men of course taking Ryan Crotty with them Steve Hansen came out saying that that's the way he's preparing the team for the World Cup and didn't see anything wrong with it. However, I do think it is a little bit disrespectful. South Africa beat Japan, of course. There was a big, big emphasis on this game yesterday in Japan. We know what Japan did to South Africa at the last World Cup when they beat them down on the south coast in the UK. But South Africa beating them 41 points to 7. Scotland beating Georgia 36 points to 9. And then England in fantastic form just before the World Cup, seeing off Italy 37 points to 0. Yeah, Rugby World Cup just around the corner, in fact. September the 20th, the first of the games down in Japan. Uh, talking of England, well, their cricketers are struggling at the moment. Uh, they've made it through to lunch somehow. They trail Australia by 219 runs with two wickets remaining. Butler's still there on 26, not out. Stuart Broad has um, survived somehow. I'm not really quite sure how, but he has survived. Uh, the two men out earlier on today, well, the three men now, uh, obviously, uh, Besto first, uh, then, of course, Ben Stokes and Jofra Archer falling cheaply as well. So, uh, England need 298 to avoid the follow-on. They're still 20-odd uh, shy of that one. We'll keep an eye on that one. They'll be back out around about 45 minutes. Ross Christ is still with us. We're talking a brand-new season of NFL. Yeah, we were talking about the Packers versus the Bears. We mentioned that that game was on Friday morning here. That was the Thursday night game back home. Two iconic teams going at it in this one. And the Packers ended up winning this one 10-3. But both teams played quite bad. And Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, felt like he let his team down. Being by myself and uh, as an offense as a whole, just uh, going through all our procedures and um, it, it was just tough. We couldn't find a rhythm, so it, it's 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 really frustrating because it's very uncharacteristic of this offense, um, especially the way we've been practicing. But the type of guys we got in there, obviously we had our defense, special teams battled all night to keep us in it. So um, we, we just got to continue to pull together, uh, look within ourselves, and and find answers to make sure we're not feeling like this again. But um, I definitely feel like uh, I let a lot of my teammates down and. Uh, the fans down, but with, with the way I played, and uh, I definitely felt like I could have done better. Two takeaways to come away from this game. I think Mitchell Trubisky will be a bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL this year. He will be ranked 20 through 30, somewhere in there. And I think the Green Bay Packers tight end group will lead the NFL in yardage for tight ends. They have three good tight ends 
on that team, led by Jimmy Graham, who had a touchdown in that game. And they, and Mercedes Lewis, former pro bowler as well. So I think that Packers tight end core is very, very good. But let's bring it back to the UAE. We have the Emirates Gridiron League. They're going to be coming back October. Michael Anderson, the president of the league, joining us right now. First game is going to be in October, right, Michael? Uh, correct, yes. And if, 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 if someone's listening right now and they're thinking, you know what? I got it in me. I could be on the Dubai Renegades, or I could be on the Alain Warriors, or I could be on the Abu Dhabi Titans, or the Dubai Spartans. Spartans. Correct. I have that in me. I can wipe the dust off my cleats. I ha- Tom Brady's playing until he's 42. I'm only 33, and I'm sitting on my couch. What can they do to get involved with this league? You're clearly talking about yourself. I can hear that. Um, basically... Uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, social media you can go and have a look at. Uh, if you go to Facebook uh, slash Emirates Gridiron League or Instagram, there's a lot of links to how you can sign up. Now, our website is www.egl.ae. It is not complete yet. It does not look very good. We had a, a little bit of an issue. Um, it will be done in about a week's time, but you can still sign up. There is a, there's a button that says sign up, and uh, you'll be taken to some software we use, which is called uh, TeamsNap. You sign up there, and we will uh, we will get in contact with you. And uh, everyone should come and try out. I mean, we need players. Everyone should come. It's it's, it's a great sport. It is a great sport. It's pr- probably my favorite sport to uh, to watch, be a part of. So I'm hoping this new league will just be as good as the old league because it, with you at the helm, with you at the helm, this thing can only go to the heavens. Well, yeah, we definitely hope so. Just one last question on, on the league. Will the commentary still be the same in this league as what it was the previous league? <laughs> I think you're talking about the. Uh, there's been about a, a little bit of issue with the uh, former commentary. It was, uh, it wasn't very good. It wasn't very precise. But yeah, Ross is back. Um, Ross will be commentating this. I'll year. be ch- I'll be tuning in then, Ross Chris. No doubt about that. Uh, you should come out to a game. I'll put it on my Instagram and my Twitter. If anyone wants to come on out and join us, out. Yeah, uh, we playing at Sports City in the sevens this year. We are not sure yet. I mean, one of the things we wanted to do different this year is we want to make it. Um, we want to make it funny, you know. We want to make it like a, a family day out. So, one of the issues we're having is um, we want to get food trucks. We want to get you know bouncing castles. We want to do all kinds of stuff so it's fun for the whole family to come out. But a lot of these places are very strict on what you're allowed doing. You know, they have their own little food truck somewhere in the corner. Well, then you are not allowed doing your own stuff. So we're we're, we're we have the dates set for the game, but we don't have the locations yet. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of things we want to do. But um, we, we want to make it so that it's, it's almost like a party. You know, it, right. it should need to be fun when you go out there. TBC on the dates. We'll, we'll get back to you on that one. We'll put that up all over the uh, Instagram, the Twitters, and everything like that. But yes. Emirates Gridiron League on Instagram. You guys are very, very active on Instagram. You have some amazing videos. So drop them a message on there. Your email is on there. Shout-outs on there as well. So. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the new season. We'll see that come October, and hopefully we have the field sorted by then because I will. I can't wait to come on out to them. Some teams that do have their fields sorted for them would be the Tennessee Titans going against the Cleveland Browns this weekend. That will be at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. That will be a Sunday at 9 o'clock local time game. The Ravens take on the Dolphins in South Beach. That will be at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. The Falcons are heading 
up north to U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis to take on the Vikings to kick off their season. The Bills, without Shady McCoy in the backfield, will go to New York in the Big Apple to the MetLife in East Rutherford, East Rutherford, New Jersey, right outside New York, across the river to take on the Jets. The Redskins will be taking the Eagles. The Rams will be taking on the Panthers at the Bank of America. The Chiefs will be heading towards the Jaguars. And then Monday, I guess Sunday late night, Monday morning, 12.05, kick off the Colts head to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. The Bengals will be taking on the Seahawks. The Giants take on the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. The Lions will head to the Cardinals in Glendale at State Farm Stadium. And the 49ers will be heading to the Buccaneers. Then at 4.20 in the morning, the game everyone's been wanting to tune in for. We've been waiting all offseason. Gillette Stadium, Foxborough, Tom Brady and his New England Patriots, led by Bill Belichick, at coach going against the Pittsburgh Steelers without Antonio Brown, without Le'Veon Bell, with one of the three killer bees just left under center. It is the two-time Super Bowl winning championship quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, trying to win this win without his two key players. Will the Steel- new-look Steelers be as good as the old-look Steelers? At 3 in the morning on Tuesday, the Texans will take on the Saints. And then at 6.20 in the morning, Tuesday morning, if you get up early, have your coffee, turn it on because at Oakland Coliseum, the Broncos will be taking on the Raiders, and the headache of Antonio Brown will be taking the field for John Gruden's team. Before we let you go, Mike, you have to tell me. I know you're not glued to this like I am. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Super Bowl pick. Uh, good question, but it'll probably be the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. He's going with America's team. Carl Van Rosenfeld, I know you keep your eyes on the scores every now and then. Who's go- who, who are we taking? Well, Hot says uh, Miami Dolphins, of course, are the team I support. But I think I, I kind of fancy the Kansas City Chiefs this, this year. They came pretty close last year. And uh, I think if one or two things go their way, uh, they could definitely be in the final. So I'm going with them, Ross Christ. Kansas City Chiefs, they are the Las Vegas favorite coming into this season. So very wise pick. Now, if you want a shot in the dark, a pick that really just doesn't really have much, you know, behind it. You go with Tom Urquhart's yeah, pick go, right now. Yeah. So, Tom Urquhart, who are we going with right now? Cleveland Browns this year. It is the Cleveland yeah. Browns. It is the yeah. Cleveland Browns. They do for have one some reason, wins. the Scottish Hammer. They've got the Scottish Hammer this year. Right. Uh, he's kicking their goals for That's them. Right. Didn't, they, didn't that take two years to win a game there? <laughs> it did. They took two years to win a game. <laughs> they did take but two they years. have Odell Beckham Jr. They got Jarvis Landry. They have two great wideouts. And they got Freddie Kitchens calling the plays. They are going to be one of the most watched teams in the NFL. And they got the Scottish Hammer. And they have the Scottish Hammer back there kicking the field goals, representing the pride of Scotland. Who played rugby in Scotland. He's a rugby mad uh, Scottish lad who who transferred over to NFL. Tommy, in in fairness, I'm still in the hole. You told me Australia were going to win the Cricket World Cup. You told me they were going to win the Rugby World Cup. I'm not too sure I should take a tip of the NFL, mate. They came came quite (laughs) close in the cricket, and there's nothing to say they're not going to win the rugby, is there? (laughs) Let's go with it. What about your pick, Ross? Oh, Hart says Pittsburgh Steelers. And my pick says Pittsburgh Steelers. It's going to be the seventh Super Bowl this year. It's going to be the first team in the NFL to do it. The Pittsburgh Steelers will be the first team. They're going to pass those New England Patriots this year because Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner, and that Pittsburgh Steelers defense is going to get it done. They are pesky. They are coached by Mike Tomlin. They have all the knuckleheads out of the locker room. This was a great offseason for them. They seem very, very concentrated and as of a unit. 
And if they can come into New England at Gillette, first game of the season, and knock off terrific, terrific Tom, I think they're the team to beat in the AFC. Funny, though, no, no, no talk about the Patriots. I mean, we know what the Patriots can do, but it seems like preseason nobody's really saying much about them. Well, you lose Rob Gronkowski, and that is such a big loss. It really is. He is such a key playmaker for them. Julian Edelman is not the Julian Edelman that came out of Kent State. He's in his 30s now. He's recovering from a torn ACL, so he's not quite as explosive as, as he once was. Um, so, But guess what? They still have Tom Brady, you know, and he is – there's not too many quarterbacks you wouldn't trade right now for Tom Brady to be under center for what your team. What is he, team. 42? He's 42, and he just signed a contract extension. Believe the man when he says he will be playing towards 45th birthday. Barring any unforeseen circumstances, I believe that, and I do think the Patriots also are Super Bowl favorites. They always are. As long as he's under center, he's healthy. He's just a phenomenal guy in all of sports. So it'll be interesting to watch them. Like I said, 4.20 in the morning. If you get up early on Sunday morning, you can tune into that one and watch the Pittsburgh Steelers take on Tom Brady and the New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. And uh, in case anyone wants to join uh, the EGL, we are uh, working together with uh, McGettigans. So McGettigans down in uh, Madinat will uh, be showing uh, games uh, together with us. So a lot of the guys from the, the football teams will go down there and watch it. So if anyone has any interest coming out, watching some football, meeting some of the players from the, from the league here, um, come down from, uh, I think it's around 8, 9 o'clock. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. Michael Anderson, EGL. Look for them. Four teams. Find a team for you. Come on out to the game. I hear it's a good time, and I love their announcer. Back to you, Tom. <laughs> thanks very much indeed. Uh, thanks to Michael. Thanks to uh, Chris Dan. Thanks to all of you for your thoughts. Do keep them coming through to us, 4001. Uh, we're going to break. When we come back, we have more live sport for you. So please do send us your thoughts. Text them now, 4001. Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Yeah, no cricket at the moment because, well, they're having some lunch uh, because that's what we do in the world of cricket. Uh, you've just been hearing about all things American football, uh, stateside, but also here in the UAE. Dates for your diary there. And, of course, if you like more information, then uh, keep it locked here on Dubai 1 3.8. Uh, um, uh, more updates throughout the course of the forthcoming season. Um, the rugby has come to a conclusion. We know that we've had a victory for, a convincing victory for, I didn't realise they're playing with 14 at the end. I watched a little bit of this game earlier on today. I didn't, and that was what, a tactical thing or was that an injury thing? Well, Ryan Crotty has just come back from uh, injury, Tom. So after 65 minutes, um, Steve Hansen decided to take him off the pitch. And for the last 15 minutes, they did only play with 14 men against uh, Tonga. Tonga won that encounter, actually 7-0. That's when uh, Tonga did score the try. But now a lot of reports are saying this morning that it's very disrespectful from the All Blacks. I actually think it is a bit disrespectful. But on the other hand, it's quite smart of Steve Hansen because he says if this happens during the World Cup, that there's a sin binning or whatever the case is, they've got to learn to adjust. But yeah, as you say, New Zealand gave Tonga absolutely hiding Spanked yesterday man. 92 points this morning to seven. sorry this morning should I rather say 92 points to 7 so yeah as I say New Zealand definitely going into this World Cup as favourites your beloved England well I'm not sure if you're supporting England or Scotland I guess Scotland the obviously the team who wins on the day they looked very strong against Italy last night interesting to see Anthony Watson Harsh. at a fullback so uh, England going to this World Cup looking very good. Scotland seeing of Georgia, not much competition there. And as I say, South Africa playing Japan in Japan, seeing of Japan 41 points to seven. And then as I say, the big one this afternoon, 
Wales taking on Ireland. Yeah, we have more build-up of that one just ahead, uh, just after uh, the half-past. Uh, in the meantime, though, I want to turn attention to all things tennis, if we can. Serena Williams uh, says she has not thought about her loss to Naomi Osaka in last year's US Open final. Uh, she goes again for her 24th Grand Slam title. Um, she is taking on Bianca Andreescu, the Canadian a little later on in proceedings. Serena has been, well, pretty serene uh, throughout the uh, rounds, uh, the quarterfinals and the semi-finals as she books her place in the uh, what could be a record equaling 24th Grand Slam title. These were her thoughts after her semi-final victory. Well, Serena, first of all, and another huge congratulations through to another US Open final. I'm, I'm going to get to a few numbers in this interview, but first of all, the first couple of games, how important were those? Because they were some long, long games. Yeah, they were long games, and I know how she can play. She's such a good player, and, you know, obviously two semis in a row is really, really hard to do and really impressive. So um, I just wanted to not get off to a slow start and just try to hang in there. Okay, so we're going to go to a few numbers. By winning this match tonight, you actually equal the most amount of champion wins here and equaled a woman. <laughs> With 101 victories here to equal our own great Chrissy Everett, who's sitting up there. <laughs> If she was in my ear, she would want to say, uh, welcome to the club. But another, another extraordinary thing you did tonight was somebody else who's, she's already gone, but the longest streak between getting to a final and reaching another final, you actually uh, passed your older sister Venus tonight by doing that. Can you even fathom the numbers that you have achieved at this tournament? Um, not quite, you know. I mean... It's just impressive, I guess. I, I don't think about it. I just come out here and, you know, do what I can. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's impressive to be in any club with Chrissy. It's just really awesome, you know. But I couldn't have done it without this crowd. You guys are um, literally... <laughs> Uh, been with me for 20 years and I'm still here so okay another thing you did tonight that I'm not sure I've ever seen in my whole life watching you play you yeah you you, you can say it what'd you do tonight serve and volley yeah I know. don't expect that again that was like oh yeah what am I doing at the net like <laughs> let me get back to the baseline <laughs> Well, I'm thinking maybe you should do it more often because you won the point. I know I want to, but I mean, I'm just, you know, grounded on that baseline. Um, I don't know. It's worked for me. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the electricity in this place, you've played on every great court in the world. What is it about this place that brings out this incredible amount of just focus? And, and actually, what is it about this year? Because I have just felt that you have been incredibly focused and relaxed. 
Yeah, you know, I uh, this is the biggest stadium for tennis period in the whole planet. So, um, <laughs> I I think of it that way. And if you think about it that way, it's such an honor for me and my opponent to be out here and play in front of these crowds. They come to watch us, and like, it's amazing. And so I really enjoy it. I enjoy the opportunity to be out here and you know just to do my best. Okay. Couple more questions, and I'm going to let you go because we've got another great semi-final coming up. Is the cat suit going in the final? Because it's been pretty good for you. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm just gonna, you know, try to show up. We'll see. I can't. I can't give away my fashion secrets. <laughs> All right, on your. On your next opponent, obviously, the next match coming up. Well, they haven't played yet. That's not a fair question. Well, then, while you're here, let's be an analyst. What do you think about this I'm match? Not, Who not, do you think's going to win? What's their strengths and weaknesses? That's my coach. He's an analyst. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the player. I come out here and, you know, I play. So that's it. So that was a fairly lengthy uh, post-match uh, interview. Uh, obviously, the Serena Williams fan club in full effect there. I'm assuming, uh, Carlos, that we're not going to see another Carlos in the uh, seat for the final tomorrow. I'm talking about Carlos Ramos, the umpire that she called a thief around about this time last year. Yeah, of course, he's been, <laughs> I think, banned from all games that, uh, that attains to Serena Williams. And, uh, you know, Serena... As his, was his choice though, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's Him and her sister. Her yeah. and her sister. Correct. Correct. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's what I understood before the US Open started. And, uh, you know, I, I was the first one to, to voice my opinion on, on Serena's actions in last year's US Open. I, I didn't quite appreciate how she handled that situation. And I thought from a sportsmanship perspective, you know, she didn't really live up to the reputation that we all uh, got, got, got to know her for and then the way we got to know her. And I, I just kind of feel that she took... Naomi Osaka's greatest moment of her life away from her. But, you know, Serena, at the end of the day, you can say what you want to about her. She's a winner, and she's back again. And at the age of 37, makes the final of the U.S. Open. And the big question now is, Tom, will she get the monkey off her back? She's played in, I think it's four finals to try and reach this 24th Grand Slam uh, title, and she's lost them. I mean, she just recently lost in the Wimbledon final, you know, where, where, where she actually lost quite badly. But coming into this tournament, she looked very strong. I mean, she had Maria Sharapova as a first-round opponent and basically cleaned the court with her. So, you know, I don't know too much about the young Canadian, Bianca Does Andru Andruski, <laughs> 19 years old, so, so new. And I sometimes think that's when, 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 when these games are at the most dangerous. You know, this 19-year-old will be coming out, she'll be going full tilt from the start but she'll have absolutely nothing to lose so I think it's going to be once again a tough tough encounter for Serena Williams but she's got to go in as the favourite this evening uh, Serena Williams well she's competing in her 10th US Open singles final 20 years after her maiden victory in New York uh, she is taking on the Canadian Bianca Andreescu just 19 years old and she's playing in her first Grand Slam final on a main draw debut at Flushing Meadows. It's the American against the Canadian. It's the women's singles uh, title. Uh, it is the record breaker or record chaser taking on the debutante. Um, and it is a fascinating matchup. It's funny, though, you said there about we don't really know much about um, Andreescu. Have a little listen to her post-match interview after her semi-final victory as well, where uh, let's just say that the interviewer exactly was sharing those sentiments. Bianca, last year at the U.S. Open.
They had a phrase in women's tennis, you've come a long way, baby. From qualifying last year, losing, to being in the finals in your first main draw. How has this happened? Don't ask me that because I wouldn't know what to say. I think it's just all the hard work that I've been putting throughout the years. If someone told me a year ago that I'd be in the finals of the U.S. Open this year, I'd tell them you're crazy. I would have told them the same thing. I don't think I'd heard of you almost a year ago. <laughs> but listen, when did you start to believe that you could win big matches like you did at Indian Wells, like you did at the Rogers Cup? Well, I think it all started in Auckland, um, but I think I just kept that momentum going, especially through Indian Wells. I think Indian Wells was definitely my breakthrough. Somebody 20 years ago had her breakthrough here, Serena Williams. She won her first major when she was a teenager. Thoughts about facing Serena in the U.S. Open final? It's just surreal. Like, I really don't know what to say. It's a dream come true playing against Serena in the finals of the U.S. Open. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. About a month ago, you two actually shared a moment together in the finals when her back wasn't well enough, and you went up to her afterwards. I can't say everything you said to her. What did that moment mean to you and to her, do you think? Well, it's never easy retiring for an athlete, especially in the finals of a tournament. So I just went up to her. I told her that she's a beast and she's going to bounce back. And, I mean, she did. She's in the finals. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to facing her again. We're all looking forward to it. Congratulations on not just this tournament, but an extraordinary year. This is The Grill. Get involved with Dubai Eye on Facebook. All right, let's talk rugby if we can, because we're getting ready for Ireland against Wales. In fact, it is the last warm-up game ahead of the Rugby World Cup, which gets underway on the 20th. A couple of teams are over there already. South Africa are in Japan already, aren't they? Yeah, they they arrived in Japan, and as I said, they're preparing a lot of humility at the stadium they were playing yesterday. And uh, Rashi Rasmus is all about building this team culture, Tom, and... uh, it seems so far to be working quite well for the, for the South Africans. Of course, they had a warm, warm welcome by the Japanese supporters. I've got to compliment the Japanese supporters. I think they've been absolutely fantastic in the way they've they, they really been indulging in this World Cup, how they're welcoming teams. And, of course, you know, uh, people forget in 2015, we lost to Japan. And I think this is why it was such a big game yesterday. So the Japanese team is, is captained by a, a South African. Of course, Labaskakni was born in South Africa, played for the Blue Bulls. So, uh, yeah, but as you say, today will be the final warm-up games, and then all the boys will be jetting over to Japan, getting ready for the tournament. I understand that New Zealand, because I was listening to, to, to the post-match interviews today, and they were saying that they're getting on the plane tomorrow, so they'll be heading on down there as well. Uh, the Northern Hemisphere teams will be finalising. I mean, how, much time, how much time do you reckon that... How much, how much of a role do you think the elements are going to play in Japan at this time of year? Because I was talking to someone about that yesterday, and they were saying, you know, it has the potential to be quite warm at this time of year in Japan. And I wonder whether people have prepared accordingly for that, teams have prepared accordingly for well, that. Well, of course, uh, Eddie Jones had England down in, in Italy 
for, for, the, for the pre-season where they were training in very, very hot, hot conditions um, to try and acclimatize to it. But I think that there's one thing, Tom, that you made a very valid point now that they might struggle with is humidity because it seemed like the South Africans were struggling last night with, yeah. that, with that humidity. Obviously, the Durban players are more conducive to it because it gets very humid in Durban. But the inland players struggle a little bit, very slippery ball. You know, uh, all of a sudden the field becomes a little bit soggy and wet. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. That it, it will definitely have a factor on, on results uh, in Japan. Uh, let's um, do, uh, well, we'll start the build-up ahead of Wales against Ireland in a few moments' time. However, there have been a couple of games today featuring uh, Southern Hemisphere teams. Uh, but before we hear how Australia get, got on in their final warm-up match, uh, big news coming through this week uh, from the vice-captain, uh, Pocock, David Pocock, that is, who has announced that he will retire from Test Rugby straight after the World Cup. This is how he did it. On a personal note, it adds, it adds a bit you kind of reflect on um, the time you've you've had in the Wallabies jersey, um, what you've tried to add, I guess the the legacy you hope you hope you'll leave, and then just the opportunity to to play in front of family and friends uh, one last time. Um, that's all great, but it all comes down to the team effort, really, uh, and I think that's that's been the focus for for the guys. We know that without a good team performance. Um, yeah, it won't be a special. You know, I think looking at uh, looking at the flankers coming through, I think we're in we're in good hands, um, and that's exciting for Australian rugby. Uh, I feel like I've put a put a lot into it. I've really enjoyed. It. I've benefited a huge amount. You know, as a as an immigrant to Australia, rugby's provided me with um, somewhere to to make friends, to feel like I belong, and um, obviously gone on to get huge opportunities uh, playing professional rugby uh, for Brumbies and, and for the Wallabies. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's time to move on to, to other things and, um, yeah, contribute in, in other areas. Samoan players have contributed such a huge amount to Australian rugby over the years and uh, to get the opportunity to, uh, to play Samoa before we head over to the World Cup, um, yeah, I've, I've certainly loved getting to know parts of uh, Samoan culture um, and you know, someone like Jack Lamb who's, who's playing for, for Samoa I played schoolboys alongside him so yeah it's, it's a special it's a really special occasion and um, you know one that will be giving them the, the respect they deserve and, and, and really uh, looking to put in a good performance uh, one man who is on the other side of that spectrum, that was David Pocock talking about his retirement from Test Rugby. Uh, one man who was playing against Pocock earlier today was Michael Alalotoa uh, of uh, Samoa, who was making his first appearance for Samoa ahead of his first World Cup. Uh, he was very much looking forward to the occasion. Mike, your Test debut this weekend against the Wallabies, um, how are you feeling about it? Um, Feeling pretty good so far. Um, it's been a pretty good week of training. Um, I've been part of the camp for about two weeks and um, starting to get to know the boys uh, a bit better now, so um, feeling a bit more comfortable within the group. Um, obviously, the Wallabies are a team that I grew up um, aspiring to play for as well, um, as well as Samoa, so to get to play against them this weekend will be pretty awesome and I'm sure the nerves will come up on the day. But um, yeah, I'll be excited to, to play, so looking forward to it. There was always going to be a lot of buzz about you potentially playing against Alan on Saturday, but um, he's not in the team. You're a little bit disappointed about that? 
Um, a little bit, but um, obviously Kips is playing, and he's and I've um, got a lot of respect for Kips. Uh, played played under him at the Waratahs for a couple of seasons, so um, to to play against him is um, pretty special as well. And I think it's his last test in Sydney, so um, yeah, Gutterdale is not playing, but it'd be awesome to play against Kips in that uh, his milestone as well. No, we've, we've got a lot of respect for them, and we put a lot of uh, good work into our scrum today. Uh, so um, and we've had a good look at what what they bring and um, know that Slip is um, really strong and him and Scotty sort of work um, hand in hand. They work really well. So um, and obviously Kips is I've already spoken about Kips's experience. He's been around for a long time and um, he'll want to go out on a high. So um, but we're looking forward to that challenge as well. Uh, that was before the game. What happened during the game? Well, CVR has got all the details for us on that one. Australia uh, finalising their plans. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. As you say, Australia were, were quite, as I say, uh, demolishing of, of, uh, of uh, Western Samoa this morning, winning that encounter 34 points to 7. And as I said, a good, good start to Australia. A lot of questions have been asked. They didn't have the, the best of, uh, of results in the, um, in the championship, but uh, it seems like... Uh, Michael Checker has now finally got his, his, his combinations ready. And uh, as you say, it, they will obviously be a contender. Once again, playing in a very tough group within the World Cup. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go. But uh, Tom, nonetheless, Australia on the day, I guess, could beat any team. Yeah, looking forward to the World Cup just around the corner. As I'm sure is Warren Gatland. Uh, the Wales coach wants his side to get enough rugby into us for their World Cup opener with Georgia. The 2019 Grand Slam winners narrowly lost in the reverse fixture at the Principality last weekend. Gatlin says it's a big opportunity for players to put their hand up for starting spots over in Japan. So what can you tell us about the look up, the look of uh, the lineups for the two teams uh, as Wales prepare to take on Ireland in their final warm-up game? Yeah, Tom, what I can say is they've really gone with full strength side. Of course, today I think that will be a very emotional day in Ireland. Rory Best, of course, will retire from international rugby after the World Cup. He's the Irish captain. And of course, today will be his last day in Ireland. But what I can tell you is, looking at the Irish setup, Joe Smith's team, he's once again uh, started with Rob Kearney at fullback. Laymore what, seems like he's going to play him on the wing in the World Cup. Laymore, normally a traditional fullback. Uh, Robbie Henshaw and Bundy Aki in the centre position. They're forming a very 12, a strong 12-13 combination. Keith Owls on the wing. Johnny Sexton and Connor Murray once again reunited. And of course, to me, they are the key for Ireland in this World Cup. If they can keep Sexton and Murray fit, they will really, really be contenders. Healy in the front row with, as I say, Rory Best playing his last game in, uh, in Ireland today. Furlong at uh, James Ryan and John Klein, the South African, which has made a r- massive impact in the number five jersey. CJ Stander moves to the side of the scrum, normally at number eight. You see him at number six today. Josh van der Fleer, we know what a speedy flanker he is with Jack Conan at number eight. And looking at the Welsh team, fielded by Gatlin this afternoon, and as, uh, as you just quoted him there, saying he wants to get as much rugby into these players before the tournament starts. Halfpenny finds himself in the number 15 jersey. George North showing some good form just before Rugby World Cup. It's a centre combination of uh, Davis and Parks once again. Josh Adams on the left wing. It's Reese Patchell at five. Now, of course, a lot of questions being asked about Reese Patchell and how he will perform in this tournament due to the injury of, of Anscombe, of course. Thomas Williams is in at a scrum off. Then it's Wynne Jones, Elliot D, and Thomas Francis in the front row. Jack Bowley, Owen Wynne Jones, of course, the stalwart captain. Wayne Wright will be wearing the number six jersey. Tipperick in the number seven. And of course, Ross Moriarty at number eight. So two very, very strong teams going into this uh, warm up game. 
before the World Cup. And if I look at these two teams, I reckon this will be their first choice selections should, when, uh, when it comes to World Cup. Uh, it is a five o'clock kickoff, uh, so plenty to look forward to there. Uh, the Welsh looking to avenge last weekend's defeat. That was their first at home for 21 months. I, just, I mean, you know my opinions on these Quilter Internationals, these World Cup warm-ups, call them what you will. I, I'm not sure how much we can read into them because there's always going to be an element of trying to preserve your squads from any last-minute injuries. Um, there's always going to be sort of different combinations that the coaches are playing with just to finalise their plans when surely, you know, they've had four years to work out who's going to be their choice starting 15. So I'm not really sure. Apart, apart from the last couple of, uh, what was it? Uh, well, that Ireland game was the only away win. Otherwise, they've all been home wins, haven't they? But Tom, say, saying that though, and, uh, and, and I'll throw a little span in the works. So you say they've had four years to prepare. Yes, they've had four years to prepare. The players change so much. Yeah. I think if you look at Rusty Rasmus scenario, Fafterklerk was going to be his starting scrum off for the last two years. All of a sudden, Herschel Jainchis comes onto the scene and he's making a massive impact. And, and, and for South African listeners out there or rugby listeners out there, let, let me know on 4001 who do you think should start at scrum for South Africa? Because the way I'm feeling at the moment, I think Herschel Jainchis is a much better call than what, what Fafterklerk is. So I think it is quite tough. There's a lot of players coming to form at different times. And I think that's going to be the toughest thing for these coaches to choose the form players on the day that, of course, can get them those results, Tom. But to me, one thing that's to me that, I, that I'm trying to get my head around is this world rankings. Because one week, Wales is the world number one team. The next week, Ireland. Then it's New Zealand. So I'm not quite sure how this ranking system is working. Don't worry about those rankings. Uh, there is the small matter of a World Cup who's going to mess up all those rankings in a couple of weeks' time. Lot to look forward to there and a lot to look forward uh, for rugby fans in general as well uh, as we're not that far away now from the uh, Emirates Airline Dubai or Rugby Sevens. In fact, this year, Rugby Sevens takes on a new guise with three-day tournaments being played across the HSBC Sevens circuit worldwide. Uh, men and women's tournaments being held uh, uh, simultaneously in all of the major stops as well uh, and of course some extraordinary players as well. Let's just have a little look at uh, who made it onto the finalist list for the Sevens Player of the Year 2019 You are Here we go And breaking Oh that is crazy good this man's so important. Great hits up play. Good offload as well. Stephen Thomasine racing for the line. And he's away. Thomasine is at the line and in. Thomasine over and down. The muscle man from San Fran. Thomasine. Look out, little Jerry's in the house. Jerry Tuwai, how does he do this? The king is away. Jerry Tuwai, the stutter step. Oh, he's something else. Jerry Tuwai. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Tweet the team at Dubai Eye Sport. Let's go back to the sports story, shall we? You're listening to The Grill live here at Barrestal. We're going to catch up with uh, Chris McCartney and Robbie Greenfield. They're down at UFC 242 for us. Uh, we will hear more from them. In fact, they're live at UFC 242 straight after we go off air. So when we go off at 6, we're going to hand, off, uh, hand over down to them uh, at Yas Island. Uh, I think, I'm not sure what time they're going through. Uh, I think they're going through to about 9 o'clock tonight or something like that. So plenty to talk about. 
and we will discuss that with them in detail. Uh, if you're looking for a sport this evening, uh, well, you've got the rugby, which starts in nine minutes' time. The cricket is ongoing as we speak. Also in nine minutes' time, you'll have pole qualifying at Monza for the Italian Grand Prix. And uh, also at five o'clock is the first of the European qualifiers taking place today. Kosovo taking on the Czech Republic. That one's off at five. And then a little later on this evening, some big games to look forward to. Lithuania against Ukraine. Iceland taking on Moldova. Uh, England uh, are entertaining Bulgaria. Serbia take on Portugal. France against Albania and Turkey against Andorra. Those are the games to look forward to in the Euro qualifiers. And what about the one last night as well? A superb second half display uh, between from the Netherlands. Uh, gave them an important Euro 2020 qualifying win over Germany, no less, in a thrilling seesaw game. This is how it happened in Hamburg. Vinaldum for me is the man of the match. I mean, what he, what, he, what he did, what he showed, you know, defensively also in the second half, he had a ball uh, in the last uh, 30 yards of his uh, onside and he, he managed to keep the ball and give to uh, Silesen. I mean, that guy uh, is in another level uh, this year, even comparing of, uh, with last year. And uh, De Jong, when he was very um, uh, tuned in, meaning that uh, not uh, uh, being disturbed with, uh, with the referee decision and, and, and just thinking about his game was absolutely perfect. Um, of course, you have the two big guys, uh, De Ligt and uh, Van Dijk, who work pretty well. Uh, but I'm very worried about the left side. Uh, what Danny Blind showed today was pretty poor, especially the first half, and is how they, they, they've been uh, uh, in danger the, the, the first half. So it, it's a bit aside. I'm very surprised with the pie uh, and uh, and the way he plays with the national team is absolutely fantastic and so poor with Lyon but they have a very good side I think they're going to go through I think they are the best team we, we saw the best team winning that's yeah. that's clear for me what do you do with Yogi Love Stevie uh, <clears throat> Thank you very much for your contribution. Yeah, but clearly, <laughs> but you've got clearly, nothing left in the bank. No, no, not at all, not at all. You know, he he kind of had a little resurrection where we all thought this this new young team would would blossom again under him the way it did um, in previous years. But he seems to have lost the plot himself, uh, and the players don't seem to know what they're about. And if you've got a group of players who on the field don't look as though they know what they're supposed to be doing. That's down to the coach, so that means I'm sorry, but the only way the only way is up for them is to to move on to another coach. Do you agree? Yeah, it's already late. Actually, they're already behind the curve. This, the opportunity, the very clear, obvious opportunity was after the World Cup. Look, it's been great. It's been wonderful. It's been a very successful cycle with Yogi Love, and this is it. See you guys later. We need something new. We need something that the players are going to relate to. And now you could have used those Nations League games to say, okay, this is when the new manager comes in, puts his ideas, displays his ideas, and then you get to the qualifiers for the Euros knowing full well what the plan is ahead. Now you're in between because the players also have these conversations. The players also know, look, we're not getting results. This guy may not be here too long. And so you don't quite know what the direction of this team is. And it's one thing if the players don't know what the direction is, but I don't think Yogi Lowe himself knows what the direction is. And if that's the case, that's the scary part. You, you said yourself, though, look at this team. There, no. isn't, there isn't much to no, scare that, you. That's that, that, how much is that? Well, that's why, you need, to, well, that's why you, you need to get a fresh voice to come in with some fresh ideas. Mm -hmm. And there's no point. What's the point in saying, OK, we'll wait and see if he gets us to the Euros, which he probably will, 
and then we'll see how we go from there and we'll make a decision. Because that. So the German manager coming in for a little bit of stick, that's for sure. Uh, and quite deservedly so as well. I mean, looking at that result last night, I watched that first half, you know, and Germany seemed to be cruising 2 0 up at half time. How do you beat 2 0 up at half time and lose 4 2? Unbelievable, Tom. And as you say, I can, I can fully understand that he is coming under fire because, as you said, they were fully in control of that game and should have never, ever lost it. But on the other hand, I'm glad to see something finally going right for the Netherlands. Of course, the Netherlands did not play in the, in the World Cup and uh, they, they really need to qualify. They, they've been under a lot of pressure. But as you say, yeah, Germany, just, just very unlike the German teams that we have seen in the past, Tom, and, and, and a rather disappointing performance for them. Uh, let's turn our attention to the games later on this evening. Uh, England against Bulgaria. Fascinating, isn't it? When you think you sort of you know a team, you think you can sort of name their starting eleven, and then you see the squad that uh, uh, that uh, Gareth Southgate has taken uh, uh, on to uh, play against Bulgaria. As I say that, sorry, my attention just been taken by the fact that Stuart Broad has just uh, well, he's forgotten to hit a straight one, and it's uh, cleaned him up. So Stuart Broad is the ninth wicket down. England still need 15 to avoid the follow-on. So this could be a crucial. Uh, uh, period of play in the test match but we get on to the England team again midfielder Jesse Lingard is a doubt for Saturday's game with illness which could mean a first cap for Chelsea forward Mason Mount now there Carl is one of a number of youngsters in this team Sancho um, Gomez is in there uh, Sancho's in around uh, Luke Chilwell's been included in the squad Declan Rice obviously is back after his improve, uh, improving performances it's a very young looking England side yeah absolutely but I tell you what Mason Mount has done himself a lot of favours in the last uh, th- opening three weeks of of, uh, of the of the uh, Premier League season I mean he's been scoring goals for fun for Chelsea he was on loan last year at Aston Villa and we know what a great job he did there for and, and he's been instrumental in Chelsea. It seems like Frank Lampard's given that number nine jersey, has really in, in invested in him and, and believes in him. And I think, you know, uh, England call-up is just for this young man because he can score goals, Tom. And I think uh, if you look at Southgate, it's not a bad plan that he's implementing, that he's wanting to see what these players can do against lesser opposition, that if he has to call on them, they're actually ready. They know what the team setup's like. They know what game plan they want to follow. And they're ready to play. Mason Mount into the squad after an early start or great start to the season uh, at Chelsea. Will he start uh, in the uh, in England colours a little later on? Remains for us uh, to be seen. Uh, we won't know team news until uh, we go off air, but obviously the boys uh, will have it for you uh, after six o'clock. Mason Mount, how did he find out about his England call-up? Did you speak to Frank Lampard much after the call-up? Because 20 years ago he was in a kind of similar position to what you find yourself in now. Yeah, when I got called up first uh, last year, um, he sat me down in his office and um, said to me that I was called up and it was obviously a massive, massive moment for myself. And this time he just spoke to me and said, look, you've been called up again, go into it, working hard like you've been doing at Chelsea. So, yeah, I spoke to him a little bit um, and taking stuff off him as I do always. It's such a proud moment. It's what you dream of for a very, very long time. So you can't really have words to describe that feeling of stepping out for your country and making your debut. It's such a massive moment for your family, for all the, the coaches that you've worked with in the past. So it's not just a massive moment for me, but it's a massive moment for the people around me and people I've worked with before. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at DubaiEye1038.com.